Welcome to Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, I do a quick trip report with all the new things that I tried at Walt Disney World this past weekend. Final episodes of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. You can also check us out on youtube.com slash at Disney Deciphered. Please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered, where you can receive bonus content, including live trip reports. You can also support the podcast by using me as your travel agent. Get started by emailing josephchung at travelmation.net. If you have any questions for us or episode ideas, email us disneydeciphered at gmail.com, tweet us at www.deciphered on Twitter, or find us on Instagram, Disney Deciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So I am back from a quick trip down to Walt Disney World for the 2024 Travelmation Retreat, our annual conference slash meeting slash retreat. Had a lot of fun. Was only there for about half the time, but had a really good time and really crammed in a lot of new Disney experiences that I'm going to share with you all today. So it'll be a mini trip report. I'm only going to go over the stuff that's new that I hadn't experienced before, but I think it should help people, anyone who's listening for some of your upcoming trips. Leslie, before we get started, let us thank our new Patreon subscribers and talk about what Patreon is. For sure. Today, we're thanking new subscribers, April R and Christopher F. If you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered and select whatever option you prefer. And we have all sorts of bonuses for our Patreon supporters, trip reports, unfiltered episodes, ad-free listening as well. So thanks to everybody who's supported over the years. We really appreciate it. Definitely. My trip report, I don't know, Leslie, if you listened to it, but I I like kept not remembering what I had said. I edited it a little this time to like cut out some of the repetitive things, but there were things that I was so excited about that I ended up talking about twice on the trip report. But if I didn't get it all, those of you who are patrons listening to this, I apologize for repeating myself, but let's get straight into the stuff that we tried. So Leslie, I've been like trying to move more and more towards not renting a car. And so I didn't do that again. Now, I've obviously used Lyft and Uber in Walt Disney World. And one thing, if you are a Patreon subscriber, you learned this already. I think once you're on Walt Disney World property, Lyft is probably the way to go. Unlike most major cities or areas, like Lyft is sponsored or supported by Disney. And I think that makes it a better, you know, they're, they're mostly the same, but I feel like I'm always defaulting to Lyft while I'm on Walt Disney World property. But the new thing I tried, Leslie, was the taxi. I took a taxi from the airport. Can you guess why I had to do that while landing at 11 p.m.? Uh, what's old is new again. I am guessing you probably had some sort of surge pricing from um, the ride sharing apps, right? Yeah, there was surge pricing, but even worse, I am sitting in like row two. So I'm carry on only. Okay. Did I, Leslie, did I talk about my new suitcase on the Patreon episode? If not, I'll, I'll talk about it some no. other time on a, <laughs> unfiltered, but you got to know about All that. Right. But uh, yeah, so I'm in row two. And so as I'm getting off the plane, I request an Uber and I request a Lyft. And like, it's just 
it was going to be like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Like they couldn't find a driver for me or whatever. And so I, like by the time I got to the rideshare pickup, I still hadn't been assigned a driver. And so I was like, forget this. I see a cab. I'm going to cancel it. And I'm going to wait. Now, the Uber and Lyft was pricing out around $60, $70, which is a little higher, I think, because of surge pricing. Anyway, got in the cab. You know, it was normal. What's old is new again. It did end up costing me about $90 after tip. So a little more, or maybe $20 more expensive than I probably would have paid with Uber or Lyft. But I was feeling very impatient and ready ready to get to my resort, Leslie. Yeah. Time is money, Joe. So that makes sense. You can get Ubers and Lyfts for, for much cheaper if you don't hit that surge pricing for sure. Yeah, sometimes that spinning wheel of death on those rideshare apps, you just have to torpedo it. And it, it happens more often than you think. I have it happen to me at Disneyland too, where I'm just like, I can't believe I'm still waiting. So this is something to keep in mind. I mean, I think this shortage is happening everywhere. A lot of changes in this landscape to, that are worth watching. To that point, my... 5.50 a.m. lift back to the airport only cost me $53. So yes, like you're saying, it just happens sometimes. And I just had to roll with it. Now, I was in a rush because the next new thing that I tried was the Three Bridges Bar at Coronado Springs. And I was staying at Coronado Springs in the Grand Destino Tower. And Three Bridges Bar, luckily, stays open late. It stays open till midnight. And originally, I had been planning on actually eating there, like trying to get a table there. However, it was like so late. I was like so tired. I had a full day of roller skating at school on a field trip and stuff like that. I was exhausted. 43-year-old bodies don't roller skate as well as they used to, let me tell you. And so I ended up getting mobile order to go at the Three Bridges Bar. The burger there is very famous. So I tried that. It was really good. I got churros. They were the normal churros and I got a soda. So really enjoyed that. It is a really, like while I had to wait there for a mobile order a little bit, have you walked out to that bar? Because it's a really nice area. And I feel like if the weather is good, it'd be a really nice area to sit. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I haven't really spent a lot of time at the Grandestino Tower. That's your uh, stomping grounds, Joe. Yeah, you got to go back, Leslie. And we'll get to that in like one minute. But the Three Bridges Bar is in the middle of the lake. And it's all kind of open air seating. And so in January, actually, it was a little bit cold, a little bit chilly. But I would imagine like in the spring, in the fall, it's like really pleasant to sit out there in the evening with a sun setting. I think that you can get a view of some of the fireworks even, you know, obviously a lower view. But when Hollywood Studios or Epcot is going off, you can see them in the distance. So really nice place to eat. Definitely want to check that out to sit down there sometime. But yes, I stayed in the Grand Destino Tower. Leslie, and did you stay there once or did you just visit my room? I just visited your room. I have stayed at Coronado Springs, but it was ages, ages ago. I think it was the very first retreat I attended for Traveling Mom, a site that you and I used to write for many, many moons ago. So I'm thinking like maybe 2014, 2015. It's been that long. Yeah, I I remember you're not a Coronado Springs fan. I do think that next time you go back, you should consider staying at Grand Destino Tower. It is like the tower itself is as nice as the deluxe resorts. And, you know, I had originally been there, you know, when you, I should be clear, visited my room to get some coffee, you know, to use my coffee machine because I don't drink coffee. But I realized I phrased that <laughs> this weird. This is going off the rails really fast. Yes, yes. Bad <laughs> phrasing, phrasing. But yeah, so back when, I think that was 2019, Grand Destino just opened. And so 
now in 2024, five years later, the carpet's not as shiny, but in terms of the resort itself, it's like really nice. You go in, it's got those fancy elevators where you don't press buttons. You just press the floor that you're going to go to. I will say that I fat fingered the wrong floor like three times. So my fingers are more fat than I thought. Homer Simpson, those elevator buttons, but the lounge in there is very nice. They have very nice eating options inside the tower itself. There's Dahlia Lounge, and then there's also Toledo, which is a really good tapas place, which I haven't been to since it first opened. But you know, I was talking to other Travelmation agents, and they were like raving about Toledo, and so I feel like that's still a really good place. Another fun fact I learned is that the rooms in the Grand Estina Tower are bigger, so the standard size room is bigger than a standard room in the rest of the resort. So that's that was pretty awesome. And of course, they're clean and nice. I mean, they're as nice in the rest of the resort as they are in the tower, but the tower rooms are a little bigger. And it's really nice to, you know, the bus stops right there. You don't have to go outside in the rain, in the elements at all. Like it's covered the whole entire walk to the bus. I should also say that buses were not a problem at all. Like I used the app and it was there when I needed to be there. I rope dropped twice more or less roped out twice and I was able to get onto the bus. I had to wait for a second bus once, but the second bus came like three minutes later. So all in all, just a really great experience. The lobby area is beautiful and it feels like you're staying at an actual, you know, <laughs> I guess courtyard is our running joke on this podcast, but you know, it feels like you're staying at a really nice, you know, Sheraton or Marriott or something like that. For sure. I, I may give it a try. I'm still suspicious given the lack of non-bus transportation. That That is really the, ne- the negative from where I sit. I, I much prefer not being on a bus. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up because I should say that I, because I was like, had to dress up twice. Oh gosh, I, I just can't, Leslie. The, the amount of stress, it was just like buying an outfit. I, I just... It's not me, okay? You, you see me. If you're on youtube.com slash at Disney Deciphered, you see me, okay? It's it's tough for me to buy a nice outfit, but I had to dress up twice. And I wasn't going to the parks. I was going one time I was going to the beach club for dinner, and then the other time I was going to the contemporary for another celebration. It's like the opening night of our retreat or whatever. So I took a ton of lifts, Leslie, and it was $10 per ride, and then plus whatever you know you decided to tip. And outside of Magic Kingdom... I feel like that is a pretty awesome option. Maybe you take the bus in the morning, Leslie, just so you can rope drop and make sure you avoid surge and stuff like that. Oh, I took a bus back from the parks too. And then I also, and I also, you know, I, I took a ton of rideshare, Leslie, like more than I did in all of 2023. And I did the thing that we did that time where I left Epcot and just went to Beach Club and I grabbed a lift from there back to Coronado Springs. So, you know, with the money that you save, staying at a moderate. And I guess you would lose the extended evening hours, which is important for you, of course, Leslie. But with the money that you save, you know, I was able to use that on Lyft and still have money left over. And then Alex from Second Dad to the right put the bug in my head about staying club level at Grandest, you know, since it's only quote unquote $600 a night. So, you know, maybe maybe that's in the cards in the future too. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Well, let's move on over to some of the things you did that were new in the parks. I know you spent a lot of time at Epcot's So tell us what it was looking like now that all the walls have come down. Yes, it's looking great. Also want to say that, you know, I know we did that episode talking about how crowds are lower in January and February. Definitely was not low this weekend. And it wasn't, you know, there's only 700 of us at Travel Mission. There's definitely some kind of dance competition going on because I heard this young woman yelling 
at the top, actually funny story, Leslie, I was walking out of Epcot after Luminous and I was like, man, I haven't heard any families arguing. And then all of a sudden I heard this like really loud yelling. It was like a young woman yelling at who someone who was obviously like her coach or something like that. And anyway, there was definitely some kind of competition going on this weekend and they were not feeling the magic that night after Luminous. But Epcot's looking great. Leslie, you are going to Japan soon. And so I wanted to give you a little pop quiz, see if you know or you remember, because I do recommend that you do this in Japan. Do you know what Izakaya is? I, I don't, but you conveniently put it in the show notes for me. So <laughs> why don't we read it? Yes, <laughs> let's read this of- <laughs> together. <laughs> a type of informal Japanese bar that serves alcoholic drinks and snacks uh, izakaya are casual places for after work drinking, similar to a pub, a Spanish tapas bar, or an American saloon or tavern. Yeah, I think, thank you, Wikipedia, by the way. I think that's a great description. So I didn't know what izakaya was until I visited Tokyo. And of course, you studied Japanese, as we know, but haven't been yet. You're going to be visiting. And so izakaya, I mean, it is exactly that. It's it's kind of like pub food, but Japanese pub food. I remember like we just went up like three floors. You know, one thing, oh, Leslie, a pro tip in Tokyo, if you're looking for a restaurant and you think you're there and you can't find it, look up because oftentimes the sign is like a couple floors up because, you know, the not high rises, but like mid rises or low rises that are in the city and they're on the third floor. And so my wife and I went to an izakaya bar and it felt very, I would say, buried the lead here. Shikisai, newest restaurant at Epcot, is an izakaya, Japanese izakaya restaurant in the Japan Pavilion. And it felt very authentic to what I had experienced in Tokyo. So I think the thing that people, especially Americans, will love the most about uh, izakaya menus is that we needed this in Tokyo, didn't need this as much in Epcot because everything was in English. But the menu is just full of pictures. And then you have just sections by like type of foods, right? And so like the appetizers are all together, but then all the sushi is all together and there's pictures for all of that. And all the udon is all together with pictures of that. And all the like entrees are together with pictures of all of that. So it's really great when you are in Japan, Leslie, you can order at an izakaya restaurant by pointing and not you know having to worry about like asking for an English menu or something like that. Shikisai, of course, had an English menu. It was very unfortunate that I was there by myself. It is really the type of place where you want to try as many things as possible. Like you're looking at these pictures that are very colorful and like look very tasty. And so good to go with a bunch of people. I actually sat at the sushi bar, which was nice. So I could see the sushi chef chefs working in the background, but a really great restaurant. I really enjoyed it. And it was the one thing that I came back and talked to the family about. And they were like, okay, so we're actually jealous about that part of your trip. Yeah, I'm jealous too, but hopefully I'll enjoy something equivalent in Japan not too long from now. So I have to ask. Uh, let's hope that Japan is <laughs> better. better. Yes. Let's hope it's better. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. So I have to ask Joe, because we love all of the restaurants in Japan. If you had to choose between Tepan Ido or Shikisai, where would you go back next? So I think we're going to go to Shikisai. I would say that like, if you're trying to make the decision, like you want to ask yourself, like, so we would go because a lot of the stuff on the menu, our kids would recognize from Japanese restaurants we've gone to in the past. If you if you feel like your family is a little less adventurous, Teppanito is going to be like much more, uh, it's, it's just safer, right? You pick your meat, they cook it on the grill in front of you with soy sauce and butter, 
they give you noodles, they give you rice. It's all like very straightforward and like very, you know, as it's way better than Panda Express, but like conceptually, it's not much different than getting, say, chicken teriyaki at a Japanese restaurant or something like that. But if you're feeling a little more adventurous or you're used to Japanese, or if you're used to Japanese food and you want to try some new things, then go ahead and go to Shikisai. I think, you know, overall, I feel like the food is better just because you can get variety. Whereas at Teppanito, even if you're with eight people, this person got the chicken, this person got the beef, this person got the beef with shrimp. But, you know, how different is it really? Whereas at Shikisai, there's like all these different types of things you can order. I hope that they don't end up cutting the menu down. That would be sad because really like Izakai restaurants, it's all about kind of the breadth of things that you can order. So hopefully that stays. All right, fingers crossed. Well, let's turn to the rest of Epcot. I know you finally got to check out Journey of Water. So what's the verdict there? I loved it. Although a couple of, you know, these signs were up. The water not feeling playful right now, like already. It's only been two months. Yikes. That's not good. How many places? I mean, multiple places? Two places. The good thing was that, so there are water features Basically, Journey of Water, inspired by Moana, is running you through the water cycle. Lentesta said that it would take two hours to read the signs. I read all the signs. It doesn't take two hours. You know, it, you would go through it at the same amount of time as you would go through like a museum exhibit, even if you were stopping to read all of the signs. And at each section, you know, like in the river section, there will be like a playful river or like something you can run your hands through or a little waterfall you can walk under or jumping waters, stuff like that. It's all over the place. So there were two places where the water was not feeling playful. The good thing was there are like multiple instances of the same thing. So like when you walk through a waterfall, right, there are I think three that you can walk under and like one of them wasn't working. So you were able to do everything. Oh, and now that I think about it, maybe they just cut it down to like save money and not run two at the same time. That's possible too. So, you know, I was able to experience everything, but it's just that it's just, it's a little, not tacky, but it's just a little sad to see like under refurbishment signs this early in a attractions life span. But yeah, the pictures are as I mean, it's as good as you see in the pictures. The Moana topiary, amazing with Spaceship Earth in the background. They really like nailed that look. And the whole thing, it's just it's just really nice to walk through. It wasn't too crowded when I was there. I mean, it wasn't empty, but I wasn't like bumping against people or having to wait for water features or anything like that. So really enjoyed it. I think the kids will love it. In the summer, it's going to be a huge hit. Wish I had gone at night, but you know, there was only so much time that I had. Got it. And there's not a queue or anything to enter. I mean, you were able to go in right away at this point. Yes. I just walked right in and I didn't see a queue at any point. Yeah. And I, they could have definitely let in a couple hundred more people, I think, before they would have needed to start you know, telling people to slow down. Good. Well, that's good to see it's normalizing. All right. How about World Celebration Gardens, the very controversial and must, much tweeted about World Celebration Gardens? Yeah, I, I liked it. I mean, it was it's just... I guess I, the the weird thing about Disney, Leslie, and you know this, right? It's like we treat every, as we're recording this, Epic Universe announced its five lands yesterday, right? And when you're announcing a new theme park, everything is a e-ticket announcement. Like you're announcing new lands. It's like amazing. And like you, and it's gonna, we're building our new roller coaster, Obviously, you're going to give scrutiny to that and 
think about in a certain way. But we forget that, you know, what really the glue that keeps theme parks together is not the attractions, but it's like, what are they put in the land? What are the connective seams? What are the, what's the connective tissue that makes the park whole? And World Celebration Gardens is that connective tissue. It's a really nice garden in the middle of Epcot. I've seen people arguing about whether the old Fountain of Nations was better or not, and that's a fair argument to have, but it's just connective tissue in Epcot and a really nice area to walk through to enjoy. I sat there for a little while, just relaxing, people watching. And so I think fairly people are negative about it because it took four years. Now that's a bit of nonsense, but if you just look at the gardens themselves objectively, they're perfectly fine. And they're a really nice addition to Epcot. And I'm glad they're there. Originally, I didn't think I was going to get to walk through them at night and only during the day, but I got to do it both. And, you know, both are really enjoyable. Of course, I prefer night a little bit with the lighting package on Spaceship Earth in the background. Okay, so Twitter dropped the controversy. You have heard the final word on World Celebration Gardens. What about Luminous? I know you got to see that as well. Yes. So I will give you my honest thoughts on Luminous. I was like, couldn't we have just done Harmonious but without the Stargates? That was like my honest thoughts because I preferred the Harmonious soundtrack better. And I feel like the only thing I didn't like about Harmonious, well, like the big thing I didn't like about Harmonious was that the Stargates and the tacos were blocking sight lines in the lagoon like all day. But other than that, I didn't really have a problem with it. Luminous is fine. There's a little bit of a weird like narration going through it. It's definitely probably, I mean, it's not Epcot forever. It's better than that for sure. So there's like some weird choices and I don't know if it totally fits in with old Epcot, but I also don't know if old Epcot exists anymore. In terms of a fireworks show, I really enjoyed it. There was a lot of cool firework effects that I hadn't seen before and that I really enjoyed. A lot of close-up fireworks closer than I expected fireworks that might scare young children, but might excite older children. And that I thought was pretty cool. And the soundtrack was good. I was, I, I know people have been complaining about the two toy story songs and yeah, that kind of doesn't make sense in Epcot, but I was like mentally prepared to be disappointed by them, which made me not disappointed by them. It was, it was totally fine. And in fact, I had those, those were the songs that were still stuck in my head the next day, not the other aspects of the soundtrack. There's still some foreign language. Harmonious, like what I really loved about Harmonious was they really used the different languages in World Showcase to enhance the overall nighttime spectacular. There's some of that in Luminous, but not as much as I'd like. It was fine. It's, it's, but out of all the new things that I tried, probably the least favorite of the things that I've tried. Got it. Yeah. A lot of people, I think, seem to just be kind of mad about it. They don't feel as strongly like the hate maybe isn't there that Harmonious had because of the barges and how controversial those are. But I guess my prediction is, and I haven't seen it, to be fair, is this is not going to be one that lasts super, super long. We'll be on to the next before we know it. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll get there in time to see it before it goes, too. Yeah, I, I feel that way, too. And part of me wondered, I don't know, is it the worst thing to like change? I mean... Disney was just so, I don't know if lazy is the right term, but they were just, they had wishes, they had illuminations, they were just like riding it and people were happy with it and that was fine. And that's what built the nostalgia and built all the strong feelings people have about it. I don't know if it would be the worst thing to, at Epcot, change the show up every couple of years. You know, there are going to be new movies, new songs, new things to share and you know, just have it constantly innovating, constantly changing. I, I don't know if that'd be the worst thing. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I, this 
Luminous might not last forever, and that's okay. Fair enough. All right, so the last thing, uh, non-Epcot that's on our list is to talk about California Grill, a restaurant I know you've been trying to get to for a very long time. So this is where the roles are reversed. While you're the expert on uh, Coronado Springs, I've dined a lot of times at California Grill, so I want to hear what your uh, take was. Yeah, Leslie, normally, you know, I get hyped for things, and really, like, deep down, I'm like, uh, this didn't really live up to all the hype. I will say, I enjoyed World Celebration Gardens. The pictures that I saw got me way more hyped for it than I actually, maybe I should have looked at the pictures, got me way more hyped for those gardens than when I was actually in them myself. California Grill, though, I feel like I was super hyped to go. And then when I got up there, and I've seen the view, like I've stayed in the Contemporary, I've stayed in a theme park view room. So like, I know what that view is. But something about being on the top floor, like the glass window running all the way across the entire restaurant with the bar in the background and the ambiance and I was there, I had a five o'clock reservation because I had to be done for Travel Mission's opening night at 7 p.m. And so because I was there at five, the sun is setting like in the background over the Magic Kingdom, right? And so I got to watch that whole entire thing happen. The food was excellent. The service was excellent as well. Like I couldn't, I would be halfway through my Diet Coke before I got a new one. So that was Perfect. And so really the whole entire experience lived up to my expectations. Obviously it was incredibly expensive, like $90 per adult after tax and tip and all that stuff. I think something like that, but it wasn't, wasn't a cheap restaurant by any means, but had the filet. That was really great. Had sushi, had the spicy Kazan roll for my appetizer and dessert, which I don't love eating dessert, but if you're going to feed me dessert, I'm going to eat dessert, had the chocolate tort. That was good as well. But overall, just the whole experience. And I, we didn't even get a window seat, you know, was, we're able to look out the window the whole time, but you know, wasn't right up next to the window. And that didn't matter. I just, I just thought the whole experience was great. And, you know, I kind of can't wait to go back. Also can't wait for my kids to be old enough to feel like they'll at least finish their food, their overpriced food. But I, I, I talk about the price. If I'm going to overpay for Space 220 or California Grill on a nice day, you know, I, I guess if there's like a storm or something, maybe California Grill feels different. But you can still see the castle. You can still see Space Mountain, right? I'm going to overpay for California Grill every time over Space 220. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you had a good experience there. I'm glad you heard it's still good. It's been a while since I've dined there. Yeah. We, we got to go, by the way. If, if we're there at the same time, we got to go. Sure. Business meeting. <laughs> You know, okay. Yeah. Deductible dining at California Grill. Even better. (laughs) Sounds good. Yeah. All right. All right. You're on. All right, Joe. Well, it sounds like a good trip. And I know we have some more to talk about on our standby skipper episode, because that's what you use during this trip. We didn't even even mention that. So so let's talk about the rides on a different episode. Thanks so much for letting us travel along with you. Let's close it out with our traditional Disney do or don't. Okay, Leslie, I can't believe I'm saying this, and this may be, you know, recency bias, but I'm going to say don't underestimate the usefulness of the Disney bus transportation system. We rag on it a lot, Leslie, and we try to avoid taking the buses, and no less than 15 minutes ago, I said you can spend all your extra money on Lyft and minivans, if it's you, I didn't even mention that, right? But really... All things considered, the bus transportation system at Disney is very good. And I took that, 
you know, I took buses about half the time and I took lifts about the other half of the time. And, you know, I found it very reliable. And of course, the cast members are really nice. They got me where I needed to go. Coronado Springs was a lot closer to the parks than I'd actually expected. So I didn't even have super long bus rides. I, I didn't go to Animal Kingdom, but still to Hollywood Studios, Epcot and Magic Kingdom. It was a quick ride. And, you know, I think that Disney has really, you know, I know they keep hiring more and more bus drivers and now they're park hopping buses as well starting at 10 a.m. I just think that they do a really great job getting their guests to where they need to go. Yes, sometimes you may miss a bus and then have to wait 30 minutes. Like sometimes you just get unlucky. And maybe sometimes like on my trip, maybe I just got super lucky. But remember, oh, Disney do, in case you don't remember this, Disney do at your Disney resort, check the app for the bus times. They were super accurate every time I used them on this trip, like four times. So yeah, but don't underestimate the buses. They really work really well and get you where you need to go. Helps not have a stroller too. Fair, fair enough. They have, they have gotten better than when we first started going, you know, I don't know, 10, eight, eight, 10 years ago, more recently they've, they've improved and technology is helping here. So, yep. And speaking of technology, the last new thing I tried was standby skipper. Some people had been asking about that. So we are going to cover that on the next episode. So stay tuned for that next week. Leslie, where can people find your work? I know I've done a lot of the talking today. So, you know, if they're like, we need to hear Leslie's voice, where can they find that <laughs> online? <laughs> really not so much my voice, but maybe like in the bigger picture, my voice, my written voice is on tripswithtikes.com, social media, at tripswithtikes, uh, everywhere, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. And Joe, where can folks find you? You can find me at As a Joe Flies all over social media. And if you're looking to plan a trip to Disney, Joseph Chung at travelmation.net. I would be happy to help you and your family plan your trip and may or may not for the next month be recommended over recommending Grand Destino Tower. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, yes, thank you everyone for listening. And uh, to our Patreon supporters, again, thank you for following along live. Other than that, Leslie, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. And I will see you on a Disney bus. You got to do it at least once next time you go. Thanks, Joe.